What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Expand Podcast with your host, Omar, and co-host, JP, where we're going to be talking about what the market is doing, what the F is the market doing right now. And all of us, some of us obviously are scared. Some of us are just going through it like, like they don't even know what's happening. And for those people or for those agents or for those real estate professionals that think that nothing's happening in this market, well, they're going to be in for a rude awakening if they haven't already, uh, because I think by the end of the year, we're going to hit crazy high interest rates never seen before. Uh, well, I guess not before, but in my lifetime, obviously, I've been doing this 20 years and I have not seen, you know, eight and a half, nine percent interest rates at all. Ever? Not really? since I've no since I've been born, yeah, oh, obviously. Okay, but like being in the 12, business 13, for 20 14 years? years, yeah, no, not being in the business, I've not seen a nine to ten percent interest rate, standard interest rates at all. Maybe hard money loans and stuff for 12, 13 percent and stuff, but uh, with crazy points. But the market was so depressed at that time that you had to charge 12 percent because the property values were a hundred thousand dollars. So the big difference, you know, this is a whole different ball game, but. Yeah, we're going to be talking about that today and kind of just the strategies for real estate professionals to get through this storm. And obviously, these are our opinions. Uh, this is something that's going to be working, that's working for us now. So we're going to be enlightening you guys with, um, you know, with hopes that you guys are going to take this and run with it. And if it helps one person out, then we did our job. But it's going to help more than one person because you guys are all listening. You guys are all plugging in. And make sure that you subscribe to our podcast and, um, you know, be a follower and ask some questions. And we're going to put a poll out here right now on IG to see if you guys want to uh, ask us any questions about what we do with, um, you know, with challenges that we face on the daily. Because it is definitely every day that we face challenges. So, um, yeah, welcome and appreciate you guys all tuning in. So, JP, what's cracking? What's happening? Yeah. I guess we start with the first topic, which is the market shifting. Yeah. I feel like when was when, – when, what month would you say last year it was that we would say, oh, things were at a complete pause? Was it September or right, the month right before that? No, I think last year was what, July, August? Okay, end of uh -huh. summer where the, summer. the rates rise and, yeah. you know, market – it kind of just stopped, man. Kind of took it a complete pause. Three, three, four percent to like six and a half, seven, and everyone's like, "What the f just happened?" Mm -hmm. I feel like that time around there was like a lot more noise around, you know, the market shifting, the interest rate rising, uh -huh. and since we've been hovering around like the seven to or six to seven percent for eight months now, or mm -hmm. you know, close to a year, people don't realize that. There's the interest rates are still peaking more and more and less buyers are able to buy property. Right. And one thing I've noticed is there's a lot of real estate professionals running in circles with buyers that unfortunately cannot afford the home. Because hmm. on a $400,000 house at a 7.5% interest rate, they're still looking at like a over a $3,000 a month payment. It's crazy. $3,000 a month. That's a lot you, of money. You can't be working at McDonald's. Well, ex <laughs> excuse McDonald's for someone that even makes sixty k a year. What is that? Five grand a month. If you're spending three thousand on 3, your mortgage, what about your gas, utilities, food, your, your kids' needs? I mean, that's two thousand dollars left over. 
so that goes that takes me to like my next topic on the conversation of like us being in the business and of course you know making a living by providing solutions to buyers and sellers i think people need to be quick to make a decision on if they're able to provide a solution to that person or not in a right. market like this would you agree <clears throat> no 100 percent. because if you don't find the solution for that seller right away um I'm not sure what you're going to do. You just have to move on, honestly, and be honest. If you don't have the tools in your tool belt, Mm -hmm. how are you going to take out a nail from a 4x4 without a hammer? Think about that. Tire patching kit and all that other stuff. No, no, yeah. And and, and just that's a good, um, what do you call it, segue into this too, is because, you know, obviously every tool has something for, you know, for a specific use. Hammer to hammer a nail but the back of the hammer to pull out a nail, right? And if it's lodged in there an inch in a 4 by 4 post, you're not going to take some pliers and try to pull it out. It's going to be very difficult. You have to have that leverage and stuff like that too. So just goes to show you that if you have more tools in your tool belt, you'll be able to provide more solutions. But before we get into providing solutions, I have, I have, a, I have this thing that I read uh, where in this market shift right now, 50% of agents are not going to sell a house. They're not going to sell a house in one year. The other... Take a listing, put it on the market, collect an offer and get it closed. Is that what you mean by that? Yeah, or a representing a buyer because they just don't have that... Um, they just don't have the knowledge. They don't have the... Um, you know, Because all of these agents, and I'm not going to say everybody, there's a good portion of them that got into the business the last couple of years and they kind of failed through this and still made money. Yeah. Now, now this next change where we're going to be hitting that, that, that eight, 9% interest rate by the end of this year, which is only four months away. We're coming into a September to remember, or it's going to be a September to remember for the people that know what to do, or it's going to be a September to remember the day or the month that they decided not to be in real estate no more because it's too fucking hard. So there's a two-prong here with September coming because it sets you up for your fourth quarter. And I, and I saw this statistic where it's 50% of agents right now are not going to be in the business in the next six months. And out of the other 50 that are available or that are still working, 25% of them are only going to sell one to three houses a year. Okay? And then the break that down one more time. The other 25% right, is broken down into two other categories. Then there's going to be another uh, 10 or 15% of that 25 that are, that are only going to sell four to seven houses. And then guess what? That 10% are going to probably sell 10 houses plus. And then that small 1% is going to sell 20 houses or more. 5% of the, the agents make 95% of the money. Always. It's always been that way. And I think it's going to get worse now. And 5% of those agents will make 95% of the money. Well, guess what? Guess what they all need? They all need different type of strategies, different type of tools. And unless you know what's coming, I mean, nobody has a crystal ball. We don't know what the interest rate is going to be. We don't know what's coming, but I do know trends, right? And of all of our pent-up demand for houses not enough inventory, um, we're going to be faced with less inventory because now people are not going to sell 
unless they absolutely have to. Have to, have to. Yeah. Divorce situations, uh, you know, what do you call it? Um, uh, people Why would getting they get the properties. Of, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't get rid of that 3 4% rate unless they absolutely had to. Oh, unless they had to. Mm-hmm. I got a phone call yesterday as an example, and I wasn't going to share it, but now we're, that we're on this topic, um, he called me, good client of mine. I bought a house from him a long time ago. I flipped it, sold him a couple other houses, and now he ended up like buying one house and he's staying there. He called me yesterday and said, hey, Omar, I want to go see another, another house for $580,000 in today's market with a 6.5-7% interest rate, and that payment's substantial. I asked him, why are you wanting to move? Yeah, well, our house is kind of small. Okay, it's called sacrificing a little bit. Stay there because check, check this out. They only owe $220,000 or $230,000 at a 2.7% interest rate. Wow. And their payment's like $1,300. You can't even rent that same house that's a four-bedroom, two-bath for $2,000. Why would you go? Why would they sell that property? Exactly. So now that money can be used to go to different places, to go create experiences to create memories with the family and everything else and that 2.7 whatever it was i'm like bro you know what i told him i said don't sell i'm not going to show you a house and that that takes me into the next conversation i'm so glad you brought this up you essentially gave him and i was talking to this yesterday to the team when we were doing the meeting is a lot of the times we don't understand that a lot of giving the client their best interests a lot of the times as them not buying or selling in this current moment. 100%. And I think too many agents, too many professionals will take that same client like you did and, and just s- listen to the need and be like, oh, yeah, he, my client wants to sell their property and go buy a, a $600,000 house. And they instantly think about commission, but they don't take a, a time to sit back and think, wait, this actually doesn't make sense to my, no, for my client. not at all. Let me explain that to them. Uh-huh. And I think that's where the true success comes in the business is when you truly have people's best interests in mind. You have to, man. I mean, yeah. it, it sucks because – and I even told them, like, another agent, another professional is going to tell you, sell the house. Yeah. Maximize 100%. your profits. It's like, okay. I just had a conversation with the seller yesterday, and I was like, I'll be honest, Mr. and Ms. Seller. Like, I don't, I don't think it makes sense for you to sell your property. Similar situation. Yeah. You have a great interest rate. You're, you only want to you know, sell because of location, mm-hmm. and your payment's extremely cheap. Sacrifice for a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, and, we could, and his reaction was like, dude, like, you're probably the first you know, professional that's, that's told me that. Hell yeah. And now that's someone that I'm going to continue to follow up with, continue to provide solutions for, and when the time comes, I'll be able to help him. And I think the more of those relationships you're able to build, that's when your business really takes off. And that's when you're going to get the come list me calls, come mm-hmm. help me buy a house call without you 100%. ever, you know, marketing to them. <clears throat> yeah. That's what's going to be cool. Um, yeah. And and what's crazy is that he's like, you know, um, maybe can, can I come in the office and you can explain it to me and my wife about how this whole breakdown is about why um, I should get a credit line versus selling the house. Because guess what, guys? Just so you all know, if you have a first deed of trust at 2.7% interest rate, well, if the value of the house is $400,000, they're going to lend you about 80% on a credit line, right? Up to, right? 80%. So if 
you only owe two and some some change, you'll get a credit line for $100,000, never selling the asset. You now have a credit line on your property. And this is what I told him yesterday. I was like, so then when the market changes and the, the interest rate hits eight and a half, nine percent guess what happens to value? Value is going to decrease and drop. And guess what? You're going to take that 100000 that you have in a credit line, go use $50,000 of it to go buy a house, fix it or flip it, make another $30,000. Now you can utilize that to pay down your mortgage. You can pay back your credit line or utilize that credit line to go buy a, a move up house, keep your main house and then section eight it or rent it out for top, top dollar for rent. And if your payment is 15 or $1,300 plus the payment of your credit line, that might be seven or 800 bucks because you know it might be interest only uh guess what your the tenants covering your payment plus the credit line payment and you just have one mortgage payment on your new house and so so i broke it all down uh, yesterday in this phone call it was about a 15 20 minute phone call and he's like wow this is awesome his wife's listening um so we're gonna set up a time to go you know plan it all out and break it all down because guys, that's what we, that's what we're in the business for. You got to figure out ways to help your clients, not just sell a house, buy a house, but help them financially. If you have the knowledge in you, it's your duty to go and help them because they're naive or they just don't know how to do it. And another realtor, and I'll tell you this, another fucking realtor is going to just say, sell the house, let me make my damn commission check. Oh, let me go find you another house for you guys to buy, but not truly listening to that seller. And that's something, JP, that I know you, myself, um, by association as well, too. Now you're literally like teaching and and um, letting the team know that this is what we do. Mm -hmm. And that's the fucking, that's the best part, man. This is cool. I know he went on a tangent about, about this specific, but... Um, it's helpful. I know everyone's going to take something from this for sure. Because if you don't, then you're just not fucking listening. Yeah. Point of the conversation is just put the client's best interest before your own. That's it. Yeah. And no, what they good. what they you know address at first is not always their best interest. That's just what they believe it is. Because right. like you mentioned, they're naive. But I want to talk about uh, a little bit because we were mentioning last week you're kind of shifting your focus a little bit a lot with you know a lot of the things that you're doing with your rentals as far as what's cash flowing, what's not cash flowing. I'm selling this to utilize this money here. Mm -hmm. What has been like some of your main focuses with your rentals the past three months going into this next quarter of the year, knowing that there's a market shift coming and how are you going to most utilize those funds? You know, it, it, after yesterday, <laughs> I was like, I'm selling it all. Right. He says that at least once a week. And so. And I do because it's like, you know, you have a lot of equity there and it's like you can utilize it to cash out and you could make bigger moves. So um, a funny story is I am selling three properties, just three, that are going to net me a good chunk, right? At least money that's in there, crazy values on all of them. And they were rentals and I bought them well and I have a 4.2% on one. I have a 4% loan on another one on an owner financing deal. Um, but guys, one thing I'll share with you is that because this market's changing 
and I know that if rates are going to go to eight, nine percent, there's going to be so much more opportunity as an investor to go and buy better properties. So not saying that these properties are going to get replaced with um, better properties, but they will be better cash flowing properties. So what happens is I'll be able to weather the storm if something happens and I want to have some dry powder to be able to go make these, um, you know, these results happen with the opportunities that present themselves. But check this out. It, let's just say that I'm, I'm selling a few of these properties and I already sent out to my CPA what my tax consequence is going to be if I sell these properties because you have capital gains. And in my bracket, you got to see how much capital gains you're going to be paying. So, you know, he, they told me it was going to be like four to $500,000 of, of income based on, a, on capital gains. And I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, well. Then if I'm making $500,000 in profit, I'm privy to, let's say, a good 45%. So $250,000 is my tax consequence that I have to pay the IRS if I don't have write-offs. So what I'm doing is after seeing that, I said, okay, well, I'm cost segregating a couple other properties that I purchased this year. It's going to cost me about twenty grand to do these cost segregation studies on some of these investments. And I'm going to be able to write off 200000 And from only pay $50,000. But then I can probably write off the rest with some other stuff that I got going on. So hopefully, if this works out well, I might pay ten dollars to $20,000 uh, because of the cost segregation study. On that half a million dollars. On that half a million dollars of pure profit. Which is really freaking awesome. Now, rewind. Pretend I don't have any properties to cost segregate or depreciate. You're writing a check for a quarter million dollars to the IRS for selling property. Unless you disappear to an island and never come back. Correct. So all the people that are out there making a lot of money, but they have no assets to write off, you're paying Uncle Sam three, four, five hundred k I think that's the stupidest thing you could ever do unless you're making five, six million dollars and you're, make, you're paying Uncle Sam, you know, 300,000. Okay, cool. That's cheap. That's like me paying 30 grand or something, you know? And, and 30 grand might be a lot for a lot of people that are listening. Which it is. It's all perspective. It's perspective. So it's all relative. But when I was first, I was paying $3,000 to the IRS, then 10, right? Then 15, then 30, then 40, then 60, then, then almost... 100k and then i got smart and said i'm never writing a six-figure check to the irs and i never have you wrote a six-figure check before almost a six-figure check to the irs what's the biggest check you wrote to the IRS? like 80 some thousand dollars because i didn't know about depreciation at that time and this is the crazy part i told myself i would never write a check for more than six figures ever so i figured out a way to start writing off everything along with cost segregation depreciation all that stuff so now I'll make a few million bucks and, and pay nothing. The government will pay me money because of all of the tax codes that are in the book to be able to write off, along with Section 179, um, which is the IRS code, which is you buy a vehicle for 6,000 pounds or more, you're going to be able to write off all of it, providing you purchase it. And I know this stuff because I've done the research on it as well, right? I wrote off my truck, wrote off everything else, my SUV, 
But now this year, thanks to, you know, our, our um, you know, I shouldn't talk shit, but yeah, thanks to, what do you call, a new um, president, uh, we're now at 80% of bonus depreciation instead of 100. So, so now that 6,000 pound vehicle that you end up buying, JP, to not pay taxes, you're only allowed 80% now. So if it's a $100,000 truck or SUV, you're only going to be able to write off 80% of that 100K. He also tried a W2R California, uh, Californian real estate agents. Which, Isn't that a trip? Like, to me, it doesn't even make sense. It How doesn't. Do you W2 an independent contractor? Um, Anyways, it's another story. Politics. But obviously, yeah, to, to hedge all of the inflation from the money that was printed, et cetera, et cetera, this is exactly why um, interest rates are going to go up to try to hedge something, you know, because obviously that, that debt is through the roof and uh, they got to do something. So they're going to increase the interest rates for that little bit, you know, across, you know, everywhere that that interest rate's going to be increased. The payment's going to go up. Obviously, it's more interest to, you know, to the top line. So, guys, the whole moral here is figure out a way to, um, you know, to save money on taxes, figure out ways to go make money in this business, because what else are you going to do? I mean, you can come work for us. That'll be great. Because we'll put you to work and this, that, and the other. Or you can be a barista at Starbucks because this is pretty good today. But if you're I, in this real estate business. I used to be a barista at Starbucks. Really? Yes. That's cool. For eight months. For eight, eight months. But what happened? You didn't like it? No, I quit. Because you didn't like it? Well, like. That's talk those, shit. I love baristas. I, I know how to make coffee and all that stuff too. It's just one of those things just, in like the corporate world I've learned. And I'm not talking shit about the corporate world hmm. because this world literally runs based off of the corporate world. 100% we it does. Know, we need those people. But some, a hard pill to swallow is just like, you know, for someone that's like a hustler, a hard worker like yourself. Dude, you can't be putting down. Like you can't be put in a cage. That and it's just like when you work in a job that's, you know, you're paid based off of your time, not based off of the product and value you Mm -hmm. create i i kind of shifted that perspective because i feel like early on in your entrepreneur career entrepreneur career you're paid for your time correct because people are like my time is valuable my time is valuable but then you're you get to a point where you're not paid for your time you're paid for the outcome you provide yeah for the results that you bring yeah one thing that i've learned is like in that industry no matter how hard you work Uh you know you're gonna get paid the same as the shittiest person on that timesheet. Damn, because that's a perspective change for it's sure. It's like, in my perspective was, I was the best barista at Starbucks. Of course. I can make the fastest drinks, the best tasting drinks. Um, my last day there, actually, one of the customers bought me Laker tickets because they found out I was quitting. That's, that's how much dope. customers loved me there. <laughs> but I once I learned that like even me being the best barista here, no matter how hard I work, mm. I'm still going to get paid the same as the shittiest employee here right. if we work the same hours. Right. And that just never sat right with me. So. Yeah, so But I appreciate but, my barista. Hey, no no lie. I'm not to disrespect anybody, but I'm just saying. It's a chapter it, in your life. It is a chapter. Hopefully it's but, not your career. If it is, figure some shit out. Exactly. <laughs> and and you know what? Like and I'm saying this is like because there is all there's always another way to go create some income. If real estate is not your thing because you went through it and you failed a lot. Keep going because trust me, like 
in the very beginning, I didn't have social media. Nope. We had phone books to call, cold call, to try to see if people would want to sell and buy. You know, and I've been doing this for 20 some years and it's, it was difficult. It's a lot more easier now to literally post something yeah. on your stories, create a TikTok reel, get a bunch of people to ask you about a freaking house, and then you call them back and ask them if they're qualified. And then lo and behold, you might even get a buyer, uh, let alone another seller, because they like what you did on social media. Yeah. It's a lot simpler now. So just figure out your avenue, figure out what kind of fuel you want to put into your vehicle. And that fuel is not just specific from free you know, um, knowledge. It's get with the people that you kind of want to be like, not to the T, but the success that that person has could probably help you, right? If they have, if they have some, some type of program or whatever the case is, pay to play, pay to understand the knowledge to get you there faster. 100%. That's what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. yeah. No, that, that was great. And I'll leave it off with, I know we talk about a lot of real estate stuff, but just for entrepreneurs in general. Yeah. Um, for those that haven't figured it out, just look for a problem to solve you know, in the service industry. Perfect yep. example I'll give you is my, how I got started in real estate was with a camera that's recording us. Yeah. And, you know, I think as long as you put yourself in a position to solve a problem, you just work hard of it, stay true to yourself, have the highest amount of passion, you're going to end up in places you least expect. Hey, the example is the camera that's recording you now, that's what you were doing with me mm -hmm. four years ago. Yeah. Just solve the problem and work hard. That's it. He solved the problem. I, I had a problem. He solved it. And by association and by understanding the position he was in to figure out the knowledge and to create that input from, from, he, from, from him videotaping and recording, created a uh, like, hey, I like this type of industry. And before you know it, our videographer, Bobby, is going to own like 10 units. Let's go. <laughs> yep. This exactly. was a good episode. Yeah, this was great. So guys, thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, make sure you click that subscribe button, listen to our podcast, share it as well. We're going to go ahead and post it here on our uh, stories. So you can just click the link and listen to it, subscribe. And guys, until our next episode, we'll see you guys soon. Take care. Come here. Let's go.